Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. What's up, everyone, and welcome to another edition of Believe in Falcons. I'm your host, Will McFadden, and I told you I'd be back with a bonus episode this week. We've got Josh Kendall of The Athletic, who is going to join me and talk about, you know, more of the fallout from the Calvin Ridley uh, news that broke on Monday and mainly just his takeaways from the combine, what he learned from the Falcons, how they might approach the NFL draft, um, free agency. He had a chance to, you know, talk to Terry Fontenot, Arthur Smith um, and be there, be be in the midst of one of the more interesting combines I think we've had in a while with Jordan Davis absolutely crushing the show, uh, the wide receivers, just all of them being absurdly fast. Uh, so I wanted to get his reaction from all of that. Um, and again, we kind of touch on the Calvin Ridley stuff uh, at the top as well, because how could we not? Um, so we will get into all of that. And then right after this commercial break, I'm going to give my quick thoughts on just the Aaron Rodgers news and the Russell Wilson news um, that happened on Tuesday. So Here's one quick break from our sponsor. The football season might be over. Man, that's a bummer of a way to start an ad read, right? (laughs) But basketball season is in full steam for both pro and college hoops. From all the latest odds, totals, player performance props, to where the next fired coach is going to land, BetOnline is the number one spot for all your sports betting needs. Head over to the website or use your mobile devices to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Just use our promo code BELIEVE, B-L-E-A-V, to get started. And guys, it's not just basketball. You know, that, <laughs> that's what they wanted me uh, to say up top, but it's not just basketball. BetOnline is also your source if you're into hockey, boxing, UFC odds, The Olympics wrapped up, but they had uh, some odds for that as well. So it's the best in the business, guys. From sports right down to your favorite Vegas casino games, BetOnline is your number one online wagering destination. It really is the fastest and easiest way to wager on all of your favorite sports and play your favorite games. So remember, guys, BetOnline, where the game starts. All right. So it's kind of a good thing, I guess, that we are doing another podcast this week because a lot of quarterback news took place on Tuesday after uh, weeks, it felt like, of of hearing that it probably not to expect the most uh, crazy quarterback market like we did uh, or got last year, that it was probably going to be pretty quiet. And then what happened? Well, uh, news came out that Aaron Rodgers has signed a four-year reportedly a four-year $200 million contract. Um, We need to see the final numbers on that. Yeah, 200 is a nice round number. Uh, So probably is a a good headline, but we got to see, you know, what are the actual details of that um, contract? Still, changing the game uh, for the the quarterback market. I mean, and Aaron Rodgers is going to stay in Green Bay, so we don't have to keep talking about it, which is awesome. Um, The other one, Russell Wilson traded for... Two first round picks, two second round picks, no offense, um, and two other players I'm totally blanking on right now. But big trade, traded, traded to the uh, Denver Broncos. And oh, <laughs> of course, Drew Locke was, was one of the uh, three players involved. So that's no offense, Drew Locke. And uh, again, I'm blanking on the third. I apologize, but you can look it up on your phones. So don't feel too bad for you. Um, anyway, Russell Wilson headed to Denver. That means the AFC West is 
freaking loaded with quarterbacks. Patrick Mahomes, Justin Herbert, uh, Derek Carr, and now Russell Wilson. It's going to be really, really fun to watch. Um, I think that Russell Wilson is going to a really interesting situation. Um, and, and now there are some rumors, reports that Von Miller may want to come back to Denver. I mean, it, look, it's going to be really, really interesting to see how that AFC West shakes out. And easily that now becomes kind of like the number one conference, I think, for uh, primetime games. For the NFL, I think you're going to get a lot of people. Yeah, NFL red zone channels. I probably going to be very heavy AFC West flavoring, and that's awesome because good young quarterbacks duking it out every week is a good thing for the league. Um, it's also somewhat of a positive for the Falcons because the AFC is where it's all at when it comes to quarterback play. You have Tom Brady, who is you know supposedly just retired, leaving the NFC. Now Russell Wilson leaving the NFC and heading over to the AFC, which means, yes, Aaron Rodgers is still around, Kirk Cousins, Matthew Stafford, like those guys. I'm looking at the PFF um, rankings for quarterback play last season. Joe Burrow, number one, Tom Brady, number two, he's gone. Josh Allen, Buffalo, number three, Justin Herbert, Chargers, number four, Aaron Rodgers. There's your first NFC guy who's returning um, at number five. Then it's Cousins, then it's Stafford. Ryan Tannehill, you know, he, who knows where he's going to end up. Uh, and, and Patrick Mahomes, I mean, a weird year for him. He's tied 11th, Derek Carr's 13th, but the AFC has some really, really good quarterbacks compared to what the NFC has kind of as a whole, which, you know, we've talked about the NFC South kind of dynamic at quarterback um, in that Matt Ryan's really the only established guy there that a team should feel comfortable with. If you just kind of broaden that scope and you look at the whole conference, I mean, if the Falcons are able to kind of replicate some of the the dark horse uh, late win stuff that they were able to do this past season and just get better and actually win some of the games against better teams uh, and and maybe flip that record around or, or get it to yeah nine and eight or ten and seven and sneak into the playoffs, they could be facing a relatively easy as far as playoff. Um, runs go <laughs> string of quarterbacks. I mean, that that's on the table. You could be going through guys like, and, and this isn't to demean any of them because they're all 4,000 times the quarterback that I am, but you're going through Jimmy Garoppolo or, or uh, Jalen Hurts or somebody as opposed to Justin Herbert and Joe Burrow. Like uh, that's just a, a different type of type of animal to, uh, to handle. And so you've got to think that, that that's playing maybe into the Falcons decisions in some way, shape, or form, is you windows. We talk a lot about windows as as if they're real things. Windows are one year things, and they change every single year because moves like what happened on Tuesday happen, and it alters so much of of the landscape of the league. Just who who is actively now trying to win the quarterback? What what do the other teams have to do in response to this? Uh, because the road for teams like Kansas City just got harder. The road for the Chargers just got harder. It's crazy the ripple effects that this can have. And that's why I think the Falcons, you know, you look at this. Yes, they should maybe be trying to win right now because it's hard to imagine the NFC feeling maybe this wide open um, as it as it has been in a while because the quarterback play is is just changing. And, and the AFC right now has a lot of the chips. So. Yeah, it'll be it'll be interesting to see what the Falcons um, do this offseason and to learn more about that. 
Let's get to my conversation with Josh Kendall of The Athletic. Josh Kendall, uh, my guest today, thank you so much for taking the time to uh, do all of this after a crazy week at the Combine, after a crazy um, Monday of news for the Falcons. Um, but you can read all of his great work uh, at The Athletic. Follow him on Twitter at Josh The Athletic. Josh, how you doing, man? Good. How are you? I'm doing all right. Uh, it's it's picked up a little bit in the, the last couple of days. I mean, on top of that, all the quarterback news today, Aaron Rodgers, Russell Wilson. So it's, it's kind of nice to have some uh, new stuff happening in the NFL. But let's obviously right off the jump talk about the Calvin Ridley stuff. I think you touched on a lot of the key points um, that a lot of people identified after, like kind of in the immediate aftermath of, of the news, which is, okay, yeah, it happened. Calvin's for sure, you know, barring some crazy appeal, I guess, uh, out for the 2022 season. The Falcons did have some heads up as to that this was happening, um, got notified kind of in early February. So they did go into the combine with all of this knowledge and his $11 million comes off the books for 2022. Like those are the key parts to this, I think. Um, now that we're about 24 hours removed, have you had any new um, readings on what this means for Atlanta? No, I, I think that it was all pretty cut and dry. The only question that's hanging out there is whether they will ever pay that $11 million to Calvin Ridley or, or, or anybody will. It's possible, um, and our Jeff Schultz touched on this in his column, it's mm -hmm. possible that this this incident has voided the, that guarantee and, and that Calvin has, has, has cost himself that $11 million, not just next year, but but for good. Um, I, I think that Calvin is not going to be a Falcon in 2023 or ever again. I just, I didn't think he was going to be a Falcon two weeks ago. It just felt like it was trending in yeah. the, the wrong direction. And now with this news, I think certainly you've got to assume that, that he finishes his career um, and you hope that he finishes his career, but you assume that mm -hmm. somewhere else. Yeah. And I, I think that that's probably the way it will, it will head. I agree with you. It's, kind of been feeling like, you know, you, you read the tea leaves and, and the Falcons have really done, uh, I guess, as good a job of not saying anything on the Calvin Ridley front as a team can do. Um, and so for that reason, yeah, they've been it, it really always... tight lipped even before February 9th, they yeah. were super tight lipped. You, you could understand it, especially after February 9th, why they wouldn't want to touch it with a, with a 10 foot pole, but the whole thing has been weird. I, I had no idea what to expect from the Calvin Ridley situation. But I will say, I did not expect this one. I did not expect this outcome. <laughs> no, no, not at all. I mean, uh, weirdly enough, probably the um, the money line for this would have been pretty damn high. So, <laughs> um, uh, Good point. Yeah, it, it's it's weird. But again, th this is why teams don't comment and really say a lot of stuff in in situations where you know it would maybe hurt them. There, there's so much downside to just speaking before things get finalized, speaking before you really have a good grasp. And it, it felt like the Falcons maybe were never comfortable uh, making any type of comment publicly, certainly. Um, and, and now we know maybe, maybe they were onto something there. So uh, let's, let's pivot and, and talk about the combine. Cause that's originally what I wanted to talk with you about. Um, you know, I love the event. I've, I've been able to be there a couple of times. It's really fun, um, but it's also really weird <laughs> and it's, yeah. It's a, it's an interesting vibe. So, so what was, what was your experience? Well, just give me kind of like the 10,000 foot view of, of the week for you. 
Well, this, you know, to pull to pull back from something you just said about the Ridley situation, yeah, this group, but pair pair, I should say, I guess, and Terry Fontenot and Arthur and Arthur Smith are going to be tight lipped about everything. Not mm-hmm. just, you know, th- they that's their thing. Tight lipped is going to be the way that they do their business. So <clears throat> it's not just a weird Calvin Ridley situation. It's every situation that includes the combine. You're just not going to get a ton from them. They're not going to tip their hand. They're not going to speculate about this or that and potentially tip their hand. So, you know, Terry Fontenot said (coughs) what he's been saying. We believe Mm -hmm. in taking the best player available. There are a lot of options, character counts, makeup counts, blah, blah, blah. blah. We learned nothing about who they're going to take at the number eight pick there. Um, I've still got to think our Dane Brugger did a did a mock draft where he where he has him taking Kyle Hamilton, safety out of Notre Dame, who's a fantastic player. Make a lot of people happy. I, yeah, I, but I just and, and I know best player available. I get it. You you you're really committed to best player available. Maybe you take Kyle Hamilton. I've still got to think that they take a crack at a wide receiver or an edge there, even if they come back and hit the, hit one of those positions again with those two second round picks. Yep. I'm just you know. There's best player available, and then there's the gaping holes you see on this 2022 <laughs> roster. Yeah, I think you and I are pretty like-minded um, in in that sense. And it's funny because you could say that you know where on the Falcons roster isn't there a hole? Weirdly enough, Fair. safety like kind of that certainly was the case last year when they had all that insane depth. But it feels like one of the positions where they do feel somewhat comfortable with like the plan that's in place in Richie Grant being his second year, Jalen Hawkins, his third year, maybe you bring back one of these two guys who are um, free agents just to, to boost up that room. But yeah, like to then take Kyle safety would weirdly feel like somewhat of a luxury pick for a team where almost nowhere else on the roster would, would a luxury pick be um, even in the conversation because it would be a legitimate drafting for a need. Like that's the shape of the roster. Um, exactly. Yeah. I mean, that, that, that's where I am. I mean, I don't, I don't know. If, if you're Deron Harmon or Eric Harris, I mean, I think you could get either one of them back on a one-year deal if you didn't, if you weren't fully ready to go Richie Grant and Jalen Hawkins back there. But, you know, the, if there's one area where you feel like we don't have to have a guy, it feels mm-hmm. like safety to me. <laughs> For sure. And I mean, because uh, that, that was, that was kind of what you alluded to in your um, piece about like the 12 free agent uh I guess, candidates that they, they could look at right. for five different or four different positions. Um, and you chose corner over safety. It seemed like for that very reason that maybe there was just a little bit more known comfort in the house with the guys that they had. And, and now, you know, it's funny when I, as I was putting this outline together over the weekend, I wrote down, you know, what do you think the Falcons will do in the draft? And did anything happen this week to change that opinion? Now I meant number eight, and obviously, yes, something did happen this week to change that opinion. Um, wide receiver, it seems like for you was was already a clear kind of up there number top three need um, as yeah. far as number eight is concerned. I mean, is it your clear number one now, or how do you stack that with edge rushing? It was, it, frankly, it was it was my clear number one already because I didn't expect Calvin to be back, and I, you know Arthur Smith just needs more weapons. Matt Ryan just needs more weapons, so I mm-hmm. already had it kind of penciled in as my number one. I think you darken in that pencil a little bit, given what we have now seen with with it's official. Calvin Ridley won't be won't be a Falcon in twenty twenty two. I just I feel like you got to address that. I feel like that there are some players up there at the top of the draft who could address that for you quickly, who could help next year. 
so you, you know, I, I've watched it, a lot of the top receivers. Um, and I know that you're pretty high on uh, Traylon Burks and as am I, <laughs> I think you watch him and, and it's so, so easy to just see him sliding into that Cordero Patterson role in this offense. Um, right. and, and really kind of maybe even upgrading that certainly for, you know, years, maybe three and four <laughs> that you have him as opposed to what you would get in Cordero Patterson. But didn't I think have the combine that a lot of people were hoping for? It wasn't a bad combine, but seeing kind of the speed from a lot of the top receivers and some of those day two receivers, uh, you know, what would you like to see them do if they go receiver? Um, would you want it to be at number eight? Or do you think there's some good value if they maybe doubled up in the second round and just hammered home uh, receiver there? I would go say at receiver at number eight, although you're right. My guy, Traylon Burks, I'm not sure. I think he went into the combine having a, having a chance to put himself into the top 10 conversation, mm -hmm. and I'm not sure he did that. But the Falcons want to get bigger and harder to tackle at the receiver position. Burks, <laughs> Drake London would, do, would give them that kind of receiver. Yep. Now, if that guy's not available at, at eight, again, you, you know, this is, this is a moving target. We don't know who's going to be there. We, you know, we don't know exactly how they value these positions. But my first, the first place I'm looking, the first thing I'm thinking is is wide receiver at eight. If I'm them, I'm clearly not. <laughs> uh, no, no, you're not because you you are more you are so forthcoming with with your thoughts and, and insights. That's true. Um, for, 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 yeah, for, I'm the anti them. I'll talk about it all day long. There you go. <laughs> how did how did they? Um, this is this is a little bit of a tangent, but how did they handle the random? podium questions that you get at the combine from somebody you have no idea who they are. And they're just like, Hey, here's Arthur Smith. Let me throw him a question. Yeah. I, Arthur Smith was good in that, uh, in, in that setting, you know, he likes the back and forth. He doesn't like to say anything, but he <laughs> likes the back and forth of, you know, just kind of the, um, the gigging, you know, the, yeah. the little dance dance of it. So he, he did find Harry is, you know, Harry Fontenot is, just super polished you know he was yeah he's he, you could that. throw him in any scenario and he's gonna you know he's gonna look like he just woke up and shaved and he's fresh as a day's tea and he's gonna <laughs> say the same exact same things yeah i mean 100 uh he's he's built for a situation like that um all right so let's get back to the, some of the prospects flip to the other side of the ball you know wide receiver definitely a clear need now edge rusher i think a lot of people have that as kind of the number one need for atlanta it's i mean what else is new? <laughs> some of the guys, especially some of the homegrown guys here from Georgia, absolutely dominated the combine. Uh, Jordan Davis now potentially vaulting into the top 10. I mean, that's kind of the reaction from a lot of people with his uh, legendary, I think it's safe to say, combine performance. Traven Walker is another one who, you know, now a lot of people are feeling really comfortable with, I think, because he backed up with great tests a lot of what everybody saw on film, which was just dominant play throughout the season. What what do you make sense of uh, with the defensive side of the ball and the way that the guys performed this week? Well, if Trayvon Walker is there at eight, I, I think that's a no-brainer. I don't think he's going to be there at eight. Jordan Davis is a guy that you you know you get googly eyes about, but I have real <laughs> concerns. I have real concerns about how many snaps Jordan Davis is going to play. Is he going to play enough snaps on a Sunday each Sunday to give you that kind of value? I would be nervous because of that. Dean Pease does need, does prefer 
sort of those big space eating two gap guys. Mm-hmm. He would fit right in. Dean Pease would love him, but I just don't, I don't know if at number eight, if you can play, if you can pick a guy who may not be able to play more than 30 snaps a game, uh, it, that's, you know, that's yet to be determined. I think, I think Jordan Davis, 20 pound lighter would be, uh, would be something to behold, but may, maybe, maybe then he, he takes away some of his natural advantages. I, I don't know. Trayvon Walker, I, absolutely. I'd take that. I'd take that guy in a heartbeat. Later. Yeah, I mean, because both both have incredibly high floors against the run, which is something that the Falcons are, are going to need uh, in, I think, the style of defense that they're looking to play, the, the shift away from, you know, not necessarily getting slower, but, but getting bigger, getting more physical, getting stronger, holding the point of attack, things like that. Both of those guys will accomplish, you know, that just at, at different parts of the field. Um, you know, who knows? I mean, if... If one of these teams, like at the Steelers, we've heard them connected to Malik Willis for forever. I mean, if, if there's a chance for Atlanta to maybe trade down where it makes more sense for Davis, like in a in a value spot, where do you think that would be for you to feel comfortable? I'm going to be lower than most people on day. I mean, I, I don't take Davis in the top 15. I probably don't take Davis in the top 20. Um, Interesting. Unless, uh, unless you have um, some idea that, that you can get a lot of snaps out of of him on a on a particular you know he didn't play a lot of third downs for Georgia right I, you know I that 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 type of stuff makes me nervous you gotta you know potent you know ceiling is great but you know the the best ability is availability you gotta start <laughs> there and are you gonna yeah. be able to play enough snaps on a Sunday and in enough situations to make yourself valuable in that regard yeah 100% it's the same reason why we see pass rushers get the big, the big contracts because the value is in the sacks. Yeah. And so it, it, you could be an incredible athlete. You could be the world's best run stopper, but at the end of the day, people just aren't inherently not going to value that as much as getting the quarterback on the ground. So yeah, if, if Jordan Davis isn't out there on, on third down or that's not your plan for him, then are you really addressing the clear need that we believe that they have in the first round? So maybe not. I mean, that, that's a good, a good way to look at it. Um, Let's let, how do you anticipate, um, obviously the, the salary cap implications of, of Calvin Ridley, um, that's, that's, you know, non-negligible it's real $11 million. I mean, they, they may have sensed that they were going to have that $11 million to work with anyway, based on whatever their plans were for Calvin. Um, but they've got that now to work with. Do you think that the Falcons are going to be kind of aggressive early on, not in necessarily acquiring players, but in making some of the moves that free themselves up with some liquid capital to go work with? Or do you think they're going to take, again, a patient approach to this, make some of these small moves when they need to free up a little bit of money to then go get the guy that they've identified that they want? How do you think they're going to play this out? I think patient and they're going to make make moves on an as-needed basis or at least announce moves on an as-needed basis. I think they have in mind what they can do what they'd like to do versus or not don't want to do what they would do if the right situation came up. You know, Harold Landry's another guy I've written about a lot, you know, makes a lot of sense because he's mm-hmm. played for Dean Pease, makes a lot of sense because he's a pass rush guy. But I'm not sure even with their most dramatic news, <coughs> moves, they're playing in that territory in the free agency market. So I think you see them go slow. I think you see them announce, announce the corresponding salary cap moves at about the same time. We understand why they made those salary cap moves. If that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Yep. I, I I think that I think that's probably the way that they do go about it. Because uh, you know what what did Terry Fontenot say just 
kind of throughout the, the week at the, the combine, it was what he's been known for. They're going to make, you know, smart kind of these mid-level free agent acquisitions. They're going to try to identify guys who have maybe been slightly undervalued by the league and, and where, where can they then, you know, bolster and, and work up certain skills in their scheme and get the most out of a player who maybe wasn't a great fit somewhere else. That's what he's done largely throughout his career. It's what the Falcons did with Cordero Patterson. They said that they want him to be the model, get guys over here to maybe revive their, yeah, their career a little bit. You look at, um, I think a lot about um, Shaq Barrett. Shaq Barrett. And, yeah, Shaq Barrett. Just that was a revival deal, right? Like they, he kind of took a, a one-year deal to go into Tampa Bay and, and it changed to the trajectory of his career. Atlanta would love for that to be their, their place. My question for you though is, just because they like Cordero Patterson to be the model and they would like to tout him as, you know, their model for this, does that mean that they're going to re-sign him? Because I've got my hesitations, I guess I'll say, as to whether or not the Falcons are all in on bringing him back at whatever price. Well, I agree with you completely. I, I've been trying to prepare, maybe not, maybe not aggressively enough, but I've been trying to prepare Falcons fans for that very possibility because I think mm-hmm. you're right. I think that there are a guy his age has one outlier season. You know, I just I don't think they're going to seven or eight million or anything like that. If if it's a situation where Cordell doesn't get a lot of interest at that type of number and would want to come back at maybe four or five, maybe five. But I I think if somebody comes in and says, Oh, look what Cordero Patterson can do and offers him eight, I don't think the Falcons are in are in the conversation at that price. Yeah, and I, I completely agree. And I mean, even so they they had him one year three mil this past year. And it was the most productive offensively of his career. Inherently, like there, there's just not, you're losing value almost at this point because the expectation would be that he's probably not repeating an outlier season. Now being a year older, you could say, yeah, but maybe he fits in this system. Maybe they've like this coaching staff just gets how to use him. You could also say that he was a product of not being Matt Ryan, really not having a lot of other people to consistently throw the ball to. And that as the situation around them, gets better. His production probably tails back a little bit. So paying him $5 million for that, as opposed to $3 million for what you got, you're just losing value. And I think that that's the determination that the Falcons are probably going to make if the price gets too high. I would, I would agree with you. I think that Arthur Smith thinks that he can probably find some other guy to, to play that role and at, at, a, at, the, at the type of price. Hey, maybe it's Traylon Burks. <laughs> maybe so. Um, all right. So just a, a couple, a couple more for you and then, then I'll let you go. Uh, what if we're using, so best player available is what Terry Fondo said in year one. And, and he backed that up. I mean, with Kyle Pitts, who I think everybody agreed was the most maybe physically impressive prospect in that draft. Um, if we're going to use him as like the lone data point for Terry Fondo's first round draft strategy, who would you identify as like the unicorns of this class where the Falcons, if they're at eight, I mean, you mentioned Kyle Hamilton, I think he's one, but are there some other people that just are, are kind of fitting that Kyle Pitts physical freak mold for you that the Falcons could look at? For me, it is two guys we have already mentioned. It's Kyle Hamilton, especially if he runs a better 40 at Notre Dame's pro day, which a lot of people expect him to, and it's Trayvon Walker. Those are the guys who, potentially could be available at eight who you, who you think are that type of guy. Okay. And I, I, I think I agree with you there because, you know, you can maybe say like a Kayvon Thibodeau or, or like a Jermaine Johnson or whatever, but like we've seen pass rushers like that, 
before. Um, it's, it is rare to see uh, a Kyle Hamilton safety, although it's becoming weirdly like less rare. I feel like we're getting more of these Isaiah Simmons, um, Derwin James's types that just like uber versatile uh, players that are almost safeties playing just wherever they want to on the field. Um, so I, uh, that'll be interesting to monitor as, as that kind of continues. But what, what are the odds that they go offensive line in, in uh, with number eight? I mean, do you think that's totally out of play? You think there's some chance because it seems I, I like, think it, sorry, go ahead. I think it depends on, no, I think it depends on who's available. I think okay. that if Charles cross, if they love Charles cross and he falls to there, do they, do they swing there? Maybe so. Jake Matthews wasn't that bad. Caleb McGarry needs, should, needs to be more athletic. They would be a lot better off if he was more athletic, especially in today's NFL with these types of pass rushers. But I think that they believe they could live with that combo right there. Yeah. So I just I, I maybe maybe if a guy like Cross, who a lot of people talk about as an outlier, potential outlier, um, falls, maybe, but otherwise no. And I I once again, you know, I think I agree. The only reason I bring that up is it seems like the three kind of position groups uh in the top ten that that are probably the strength of the the top ten right now would be offensive tackle you know, pass rusher, and then either safety receiver, uh, depending on how you, you value Kyle Hamilton versus a guy like Garrett Wilson or, or Drake London or whoever. Um, right. So, so yeah, I, I, and, and again, offensive line could be a need, but I think I agree with you. The Falcons could easily just bet on some of the young guys that they have invested in recently, just getting a little bit better, just being year two in yeah. the scheme familiarity. They had amazing cohesion in the sense that they, had almost the same starting lineup for most of the season. I mean, that's rare to get those guys all working together that long. Um, so who knows? They, they may also go out and draft three offensive linemen and prove that we know nothing. <laughs> so, um, good, good point. Uh, last one for you. Do you expect this team kind of when, when the dust settles from the first month of free agency, I'll say, do you think this team's going to look more closely like the 2021 group in the sense that they're bringing back a lot of their free agents, they're, they're kind of getting the band back together? Or do you think that there's a, a, bit, a better chance that there's kind of a big overhaul and we're seeing what we saw a little bit last year with a lot of one-year contracts, a lot of new outside faces, just some, a, a new infusion of life into this roster? What, which way do you think it'll fall? I mean, I, it's not sexy, but I think it falls more toward, you know, no, no dramatic changes. You know, the band back together with a few tweaks and then the dramatic stuff you see into the future. That's my, that's my guess. That's the way it looks and reads to me right now. And that would include guys like Russell Gage, Foye Lewican, like that type of, of free agent. Yes. Okay. Yes. Especially, I mean, <laughs> you think Russ is now the priority free agent guy for them? I think, I, I think, yes. I mean, I, I think his position strengthened. Certainly. I think they wanted to bring Russ back. I think Russ made a lot of sense as your number two, to bring back as a number two guy because of the way he came on at the end of the season. So I think that that made a lot of sense and, and makes even more maybe now. Yeah, it, it maybe, maybe does. Um, and who knows, Russ has gotten better every year and uh, he's got opportunity in front of him. So maybe Atlanta is not a bad place to uh, come back to if, if you're Russell Gage. Um, Josh, this has been awesome. I, I've really enjoyed this conversation. Do you have anything that, that you would like to share before I let you go? No, I appreciate you having me. Go to, go to the athletic, check us out. We'd love, we'd love to have you. <laughs> Yes, go go check it out. Um, and uh, we will have to do this again, sir. Sounds good, William. Thanks, Josh. 
All right. That will do it for today's podcast. Um, thank you again to Josh for hopping on. I mean, that was great. We're going to have to definitely get him back. Super insightful. Um, really just personable. Uh, so good dude. We got to do that again. <laughs> um, and we're going to have to have Ovi back on very soon. Who knows? Maybe next week I will, uh, I'm going to hit him up, figure out what, what he wants to do. Um, but we've got a lot to talk about and a lot to catch up on. Some news has happened. So I'm, I'm pretty, pretty certain he's going to want to get on and, and share his thoughts. Uh, he, he likes to, likes to get a, his takes off. So we'll get him back to do that. Um, thank you guys as always for listening. Please let everybody know where they can find us. Apple, Spotify, uh, Stitcher, Google Play, all that good stuff. Today's episode was presented by Bet Online. As always, it looks like the the NFL cycle is is finally about to heat back up. Obviously, free agency is going to kick off, so we will be reacting to a lot of that news. Um, I'm diving deep into a lot of the prospect film, so I'm going to be sharing some draft opinions with you guys over the next little bit. Uh, stay tuned for that. And as always, everybody, take care. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.